When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on? Welcome to the Backpacking Podcast. As always, John Kelly here with Jeremiah Stringer, the king of Kentucky backpacking, the emperor of Somerset, and the husband of Miss Bridget Stringer, who we all adore greatly. <laughs> What's going on, man? Nothing much, man. Many great titles. I am excited and raring to go. We're recording this episode, and right after we get done, I have to pack up my clothing and my suitcase. My backpack is already packed for the trip, but I'm headed off to the trail. Off to South Dakota, right? South Dakota. Miyagi has already sent me an eight-page itinerary. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's funny if you've, if you've ever backpacked with Miyagi. If for those of you who are first-time listeners to the podcast, uh, Miyagi is a uh, good friend of ours. He has a YouTube channel, Miyagi on the Trail. Uh, he and his girlfriend, Trips, are just super awesome people. Um, and... Uh, Miyagi's so funny when you do a trip with him you will know every little detail down to almost like minutes and seconds what you're going to be doing on that trail yeah he had he even put like the travel time from the airport to the trailhead and I don't know I put I, Jason asked me if I could maybe make an all trails map of our little trip so I went through with a fine tooth comb and checked out Miyagi's itinerary and then done us a little uh, all trails app or all trails map, and then shared it with Jason. Got the campsites on there and everything. So I may not have it planned out uh, as in much detail as Miyagi, but it definitely helped to have his itinerary there. I'll save that, man. I would save those and oh, then yeah. um, use that a different time if I do that trip again, or I can share it with friends. Well, I think Miyagi ought to do just like a little trip, like book. So if he knows people that are wanting to try out some different places he's been, he could probably give them a book mm -hmm. and it would be like the best trip planning book on the face of the planet. Well, all I know is, uh, he, he's very detail oriented on there. I think that he should do maybe like a, a video on his YouTube channel that explains how he gets the information that he does. Cause it, it like starts with information on the area, the history, maybe some weather predictions in there. Uh, he put in there like the record highs and the record lows and the average. Oh, yeah. He's got a whole uh, table set out of what the weather's supposed to look like. But it said the record low is like 30 something. So I'm still going to bring very warm um, stuff to sleep in. You know, like I thought about bringing my 40 degree underquilt. I'm going to take my hammock, the pride of Kentucky. Miyagi made it. So I can't wait to show it off. And, uh, <laughs> I think I'm going to take my zero degree under the zero degree. Yeah, I could take the 40, but we're going to be at like five or 6,000 feet somewhere in there, I believe. So you never know, man. Is that, now, is that a UGQ 40? That is a UGQ 40 and a UGQ uh, zero. Oh man. You don't need that zero. So you say, yeah, I did. Well, with the 40, you don't like I've, I've taken my, at least the 40 I have from them. I've taken down to like 23 degrees and been warm. Yeah, but I have, I've taken the 40 degree down to like 50 and been cold, but it's not, I don't think it was their fault. I think that we talked about this before. I didn't close up one of the ends. Yeah. The, uh, you know, it's got like cinches. It's got different, UGQ has different suspension pieces. Yeah. You let that draft in. Yeah, I let it draft in and still was kind of cold. But I'm not going to be cold on this trip. And my thing is, man, whenever you're in the mountains, sometimes they kind of make their own weather. Yes, they do. And you never really know. Like Miyagi put on there, you're very prone to extreme weather swings because you get to like five, 6,000 feet. Like that's about as high as it gets over here around Kentucky, Tennessee area. I, I was going to say the highest point in Kentucky is under 6,000 feet, I think. Yeah. So, I don't know. I feel like it's better to be safe than sorry, but it does pain me because I have to carry that weight. And we're on trail for three nights. 
So normally maybe a nine, maybe That's 10. not too bad. That's not too bad. No, but the 40 degree versus the zero degree, it's a big weight difference. You know, you're talking about a couple of pounds, I think. That's why you should take the 40. <laughs> I can't and, do and it. And cinch up the ends. Yeah. I can't. I mean, you, you would almost be better taking the 40 and then like your, I mean, what's the weight difference between your 40 and your zero? It's pretty significant, isn't it? I think it's like maybe a pound and a half. I haven't weighed them. A pound and a half difference? I don't know. Maybe. What? Then why don't you just take your underquilt cover and use that if it starts to get a little chilly to give you a little extra? Oh, I'm taking it too. <laughs> I'm always, dude, when it comes to sleep and being warm. Yeah. I'm I'm going to be comfy. Even if I had to carry an extra pound or two, I'm leaving the big chair here and taking the little one pounder. So yeah, that's like a little bit. Away. And, um, I ditched the saw. I don't think you're supposed to have fires out there around. Um, I guess it's the black Hills. Okay. So you know, that it, saved me a little weight. It, it's funny. You talked about insulation because I wanted to talk to you about hacks today. Uh-huh. And specifically because we have talked, I told you about a hack. Maybe it was uh, one of our last two or three episodes that I wanted to try out in the heat here in Kentucky. Uh-huh. Um, and Wait. so I want to, I want to talk about hacks today. Okay. Before we talk about hacks. Yes. I do want to uh, talk about our sponsor for today's episode. Oh, I'm going to get to that in a second. Okay. Because my hack actually leads into why we're going to have our sponsor for today. Okay, perfect. Does that sound good? Does that sound good? Because we're talking about heat. We're talking about heat. Like yes. summer, summer heat and, and hacks for summer heat. And this is one that I wanted to try for a long time. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so I've got a hammock. Um, I've been hammock camping for a long time. And I, I committed that this summer I was going to do more tent camping. And since March, that's all I've used is tents. This is the first time I've used my hammock since like February, I think. Wow. Um, which is a long time for me. Like yeah. usually it's hammock all the time. But uh, it, it's been in Kentucky, it's been in the mid 90s to upper 90s for like a week, at yeah. least at the point when I was going to go backpacking. It's been really hot. Yeah. And so I decided I was not going to take an under quilt for my hammock, but I knew it could still get drafty, which can give you cold butt even in warm weather. Mm-hmm. Because well, let me preface this by saying we don't live in the northern part of the United States. So when summer weather hits, it can be 80 degrees overnight, like yeah, super, super hot and muggy overnight. So having uh, an underquilt under your hammock in the summer can be really uncomfortable because you can really overheat sleeping in your hammock. Yeah. So, so I say that, and what I thought about doing was taking an underquilt cover, like the rain covers that you use to keep the weather off of your quilt. And instead of using an underquilt, I use that. It looked like a giant trash bag under my hammock, right? <laughs> yeah that's what it looked like not plastic but it kind of looks like it. <laughs> yeah it really did it, it just looked like a giant trash bag but um i put that on i made sure i cinched up both ends so they were pretty airtight so there wasn't gonna be anything coming in the sides and, and i used that now it didn't end up being as hot as i'd hoped i mean it's weird that i would hope it'd be hot but i needed it to be hot to test this mm-hmm. um it ended up not being as hot it still was like 75 77 degrees overnight so it was still hot um, and I never, I never got chilled, but at the same time, like one of the things you and I were talking about was that would there be condensation on the inside of the pack because of that? Yeah. I was inside really... the hammock. I mean, inside the hammock. Yeah. There was none. You didn't get any condensation from your breath. No, zero condensation. Wow. I wonder if so uh, it, it worked really well. I think one of the things that helped and it was kind of my, my, my concept and why I was thinking it would work. I don't need heat in the summer. I don't need to keep my butt warm, but I don't want air blown against me either. Like if it gets, cause you know how it can get like, you don't want to get cold, but it wakes you up. It always does. And sometimes it makes you have to go to the bathroom and who wants to get up and go to the bathroom multiple times. Right. Yeah. It's very, so, uncomfortable. yeah, it's very uncomfortable. So, um, I put it on and what was nice is because it's made to go on an under quilt, there was airspace between the, the cover and the hammock when I was laying down in it. Does that make sense? So you it's, use the suspension to leave yourself a little gap in between you and the cover? I didn't have to try because it's made to go over an underquilt. Oh, it's a little saggy. You're so saying. it's a little saggy. So it was it was never actually going to touch the hammock except on the sides. So there was airspace in between the two. So what it did, it just shielded me from, from breezes and stuff. But at the same time, didn't insulate. 
Now, were you around a body of water whenever you're doing this? No, I was on a ridge. Okay. That probably really helped too. It probably did. I mean, I was, I was going to Thursday night, but it was too hot. Like the, the it was like, I want to say it was 98 degrees and like 85 to 90% humidity. And it was just like, you know, that just sounds like as fun as getting a root canal. So I was like, I'm not going to do that one. So it was just, it was just too hot. I, I didn't want to go out. And it was, and I've been to the gorge. It, it'd be different if it was a place I'd never been and we made plans. And it was a big deal. And a bunch of people going, it was just me, you know, solo tripping. And uh, so I ended up going on Friday and the underquill protector worked. It was a hack that worked. Dude, I'm all about the hacks. I'll tell you. And I love companies that have gear that allow you to have these kind of hacks. And so our sponsor today is none other than Gossamer Gear. Take less, do more. Jeremiah, what what is the piece of gear that you're using right now from Gossamer Gear that you really love? Dude, I think it's the probably the last four trips that I've went on, and I, I went on a bunch of trips this summer. I'm a teacher. It's summer break, and I'm averaging like a trip a week. It's, it's I'm a so week. jealous of you right now, man. I'm we, so jealous of you. <laughs> we just come back from the Smokies, and uh, that was like a week ago, and then now I'm flying out to South Dakota, and both these trips and multiple ones before it, I've been taking the Mariposa 60-liter backpack, and I'll tell you why. So before the Smoky Strip, I was like, man, I know that the elevation is going to be brutal, like the climbs, and it was. It was tough. Um, I was like, I need to shed some weight. So I have a bunch of backpacks where I got the YouTube channel, and one of the backpacks I have is the Mariposa 60-liter by Gossamer Gear. And... Whenever I bought it, I didn't pay a whole lot of attention to how much it weighed. But then I hung the scale up in my room in like this little studio that I film videos and stuff in. And I started weighing all my backpacks, clipping them on there, letting them hang, seeing how much they weigh. And it was like my second biggest backpack, but my second lightest backpack. The only one lighter was, yeah, only one lighter I had that was still framed was substantially smaller. You know, it was like 35, 40 liters. And I was like, I can't fit all my stuff in the Smokies for the Smokies trip in there. Um, and so I was like, I'm going to take the Mariposa on this one. And I did. And I actually switched out. I've been using this. Um, you can buy accessories for these backpacks on right. com, And I ordinarily don't like the water bottle pockets on my backpacks. But I put on this one uh, by Gossamer Gear. And... I don't know. It's got like, it snaps in, it straps, it straps really close to you. And I think it holds it in place and it kept it very, very comfortable. The water on my shoulder. And the other one I had been using the feed bag and you basically just keep snacks and stuff in there, but I swapped it out for a, uh, basically like a cell phone pocket. It's got mesh on the outside and it zips up. So it's a little bit water resistant and dude, it rides so well. Um, it, it has extremely good cushioning. The pockets, it, I have a mirrorless camera as well. And my entire, uh, camera will almost fit in that pocket. I mean, you can lose stuff in the hip belt pocket. <laughs> that's a big pocket. That's a big pocket. Yeah. So that, that's a piece of gear that I've been loving by Gossamer well, here. How does it carry, man? Dude, it is so comfortable. Now I, I don't like to take it over 30 pounds. I don't know what gossamer gear says it's supposed to be rated for but anything under 30 i think it was like 31 and some change for the smoky strip still until i started eating some of the food um it was just i don't know the way they did the frame it seems like they really thought it out because it rode very comfortable for me no pressure on the hips shoulders were good everything good that's awesome and you know what else carries really good what's that this umbrella from gossamer gear so it's odd that this would be the piece of gear that I right now love from these guys. Now, when you think of umbrellas, what do you think of umbrellas for? Uh, probably whenever it's raining or snowing. Right. Rain protection. Protection from the weather. And, yeah, I've used this for that. Like I said, I carry a really uh, – I carry a mirrorless camera, and uh, it's it, it's expensive. And replacing that's not easy because um, we're, not, we're not big YouTubers. You know, it's not like we're making – 
crazy money doing YouTube. So uh, replace that's hard. So I have this umbrella and I'll take this with me. And it it's nice because it can connect right up to my, my chest strap. I just have to slide it in place and it holds in place as I'm hiking. So it keeps everything dry. But something else that makes it awesome is this summer, like we just said, it's been getting super hot, right? Mm-hmm. Super hot. And since it's been so hot, uh, I've been hiking in a lot of places where you're just exposed to the elements. You're just out in the open hiking in certain areas. So if there's no clouds in the sky, the sun is beating down on you. If it's 85, 90 degrees out, you're going to burn up. And it gets really hot while you're hiking. And everybody knows nobody likes to hike when it's hot. Like, it's not fun to, to hike hot. But I opened this umbrella up one day just out of curiosity and used it for shade. Man, I'm telling you, it was the best thing ever. This thing made it so much easier to hike out in the open. Uh, shaded me, but I had to look weird to people walking by like there's some random dude hiking with an umbrella in the sun. But uh, it really did. It really did the trick for me. And this thing only weighs a few ounces. I think you have it, too. You have the yeah, same umbrella. Six, and- six ounces. Yes, yeah, super light, but man, for sun protection, for protection against the rain, um, this has been on every trip for me for probably like three or four months now. And uh, I don't know if that's going to change. This thing's pretty awesome. You know what I like to do? <laughs> I, I do this on every trip that I take my trekking poles. Like yeah. I have the Osprey Gary LT5s, and um, they're expensive. You know, they're like $100 a pole. Yes. They're the lightest poles that I could find. They're like four or five ounces each. And I like to, some lady stopped me and asked about uh, my backpack that was day hiking. She was like, oh, I love that water bottle pocket, blah, blah, blah. And uh, she was like, you should, I was telling her about it. And I was like, she took a picture of my trekking pole. I was like, here, because it had Gossamer Gear's logo. She's like, I'm going to look that up. I hand it to her. I love handing them to people. And they're like, oh my gosh. Right. I handed that umbrella to my wife and just the confusion (laughs) right on the face. But uh, that is a good hack about the umbrella, dude. The shade. A lot of people use those on the desert sections of through hikes. Yep. It's, it's amazing how helpful they are. Yeah, you just you just post up and put that over you, and then you created your own shade. Heck yeah, man. So big thank you to Gossamer Gear. Take less, do more. Thank you for being a sponsor of the show. We really appreciate you guys, and you make incredible gear. So yeah. Jeremiah, tell me a hack that you use. Okay. Right now. Um, I, I may have mentioned this before. I can't remember. I definitely got some flack for it because I put it in a video, but it is my little oatmeal packet hack. So if you don't want to clean your cook pot, you're lazy like me. Who really I, wants to? I mean, can we talk about that for a second? Who really sits there and thinks to himself, man, I really want to clean my cook pot. You have no idea how many people was talking about how lazy I was in my comments. And I was like, come on, bro. I, call, I, I don't call that lazy. I call it ingenuity. <laughs> well, That's what I call it. Well, they are like, you know, it would only take you just a second to heat up some water and finger clean that cook pot after you use it. And I'm like, yeah, but if I just boil water in it, you know, here's my thing. So I wake up in the morning <laughs> as late as possible. Okay, so if, yeah. the, if the camp says we're rolling out at 7.30, then I will wake up at 6.30 and be ready in time. Right. But uh, if we're kind of on our own schedule or I can sleep in, I will sleep as late as I can because I'm trying to maximize that comfort. And then I'll try to do everything quickly in the morning. So not having to clean the cook pot in the morning is just one more thing that saves me a little bit of time. So I like to eat oatmeal. In the morning, I always take two packs of oatmeal typically, and then I'll take something quick that I can eat on the way after we've left camp. I like those little Belveda biscuit things. So I will heat up some water and I'll make me uh, a cup of tea, just a spit of tea. And then I will uh, pour some boiling hot water in my oatmeal packets. And normally I'll take a little towel to clean my cook pot with. And I will fold that up. And I'll put it in my hand, right? And then I'll tear off the top of my oatmeal packets and I'll sit them on that towel and I'll pour in some boiling hot water. Now, the key is to not pour the boiling hot water on your hand. And that's That's a bad thing. I've learned that. That, I've heard that goes really bad. Yes. And that is some of the flack that I caught on the video because 
I don't know. I, it hasn't happened to me. Well, it has a little bit, kind of, and it hurts. But just don't do that. Don't pour the boiling hot water in your hand, and then you can eat out of the oatmeal packets. So you know what I do, Jeremiah? What do you do? So each day, like when I go on a multi-day trip, I take all my food for that day, and it goes in one Ziploc bag, one gallon bag. Mm-hmm. That way I know we, each day what my food is. I don't have to, like, hunt around and look for stuff. I just know I pull out my Monday bag or my Tuesday bag. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and I use that. What I what I did with oatmeal was I would bring a quart bag, just a quart Ziploc bag, and I called it my pot liner. And I would actually put it in my pot and and I would I would or actually I wouldn't put it in the pot until after I put the oatmeal in it. Mm-hmm. But I pour I'd do what you did, except I wouldn't use the packets. I would just pour the oatmeal into the Ziploc, fill it up with water, and then just set that down into my pot. And I was still eating out of my pot, but I wasn't making a mess in my pot. It's a freezer bag, so you can put yeah. hot water in there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Just you a little get quart, just a little quart bag. So I also had a number of people because I said the same thing. That's a great alternative to yeah. if you want to keep it a little bit more safe. And well, people- and here's something else I want to add to this real quick. Here's okay. something else I want to add to this. People who are saying that I don't want to use my water for things other than drinking and eating, like. I don't want to have to use extra water, which is like the most important thing you have on the trail to clean things. Oh, I want to save my water to drink it. I want to save, you know what I mean? Like the more water I use for other things, that's less water I'm drinking. Yeah. And sometimes, so for example, not three of the South Dakota trip. So we come to a water source during day three. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's the last water source before we get back to the car. So we're talking about, 12 to 15 oh, wow. miles, dry camping, 12 to 15 miles from, so hit your water source. And then from there to the end of the trip, you get back to your car is like 12 to 15 miles. I can't remember the exact miles. Wow. Dry camping. So using that water to clean your cook pot on that type of night is a big deal. Very big deal. Only using like an ounce or two, that ounce or two that I'm I'm using to clean with, I really would prefer to uh, drink that because we have like a, a 2000 foot climb at the very beginning of the day on day four. And I know I'm going to be sucking water because it's a climb and I still will have like, I don't know, five or six miles to go even after that climb just to get back to the vehicle. So you got your climb and then you got right. all the way back. So I totally validate what you're saying. There's extenuating circumstances. Well, and that's just it. I mean, it's it's the whole thing of uh, you're you don't want to waste resources. Like some resources are just more important than others, and water is probably the most important resource you have. It doesn't matter if it's hot outside or it's cold outside. You can dehydrate in the winter just like you can in the summer if you don't drink enough water. And it's so important not to waste it. Like why? I don't know. I don't understand why anyone would get on somebody for like reserving resources on trail. Well, I think that you probably aren't think if you say, um, you know, just clean the cook pot, don't be lazy. If you may not be thinking about how you could be dry camping, but typically you can just refill your water. You know, it's not a big deal. You got your filter and stuff. Unless you're hiking on a ridge or up in a mountain, sometimes there's not a lot of water up there either. I mean, my thing is, I don't want to waste resources, I don't want to make myself have to work harder. Oh, yeah. A lot of people say that's lazy. That's not lazy. That's smart. (laughs) So what do you think? That's unbelievable. It's like, like I'm going to carry an 85-pound pack because I don't want to be lazy. No, I'm not going to carry an 85-pound pack because that's too heavy. Like, why would I want to work harder when I'm supposed to be enjoying the woods? You know, like, that doesn't make any sense to me. I don't know. It's yin and yang, right? Yeah, and it wasn't my me- you weren't they weren't messaging that to me, so I can say whatever I want. You have to be nice because it was your channel. What do you so. say to the people who tell you shouldn't be using Ziploc bags and you're part of the problem? <laughs> my response to that that's is what I just delete their comment because that's dumb. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, I just here's my thing. Here's here's my thing. Okay, I don't know that anybody. I gotta be careful. I say this. Oh, here we go. This you, you know, you know me. I like I, my filter's bad. It doesn't work half the time. But I'm gonna be. I'm gonna filter a little bit right now because I want to be nice. Um, <laughs> I can't wait to hear this hot take. 
Oh, dude. Okay, so here's my thing. There are a lot of people that that claim, and we talked about this, I think, in a past episode. Maybe it was even last week a little bit. Um, but we talk a lot about the environment. But I think sometimes people get a little overboard with stuff like the Ziploc bags. Because we even talked, like, last week, it takes petroleum to make plastic, right? Yeah, anything plastic. Anything plastic. So, if you're somebody who's claiming that those Ziploc bags are part of the problem, what are your shoes made out of? Well, what are the what are the tips of your trekking poles made out of? What are the clips on your backpack made out of? What is your hat made out of? What are your gloves made out of? Well, you know, it's like we can just go down a list of things that have plastic in them, and everybody who goes backpacking is a complete hypocrite. You know what I mean? But shouldn't you reserve? resources whenever you can that's what you just said i didn't say anything but i i said i'm said i said reserve resources for when i'm hiking like so i don't have to get more while i'm out there if well, i take those, those bags out there that's helping me but what's the difference <laughs> what's the difference in those resources those natural resources versus um you know, the plastic bag situation. I reuse them over and over and over again. Uh, I have I have a my my poop kit uh-huh. is the same Ziploc bag I had three years ago. Oh, my gosh, dude. I'm not going to lie. I switch it out like every other trip. I don't no, know if mine just I, gets beat up or what. I just use them over and over and over again. I mean, I probably need to switch out the poop kit one because it's looking pretty haggard. But it do, it doesn't it's not like. It has no other job except to hold a trowel a little bit of toilet paper some wipes and you know what i mean it's like yeah that's a, I, not, I use them over and over again i've got like i literally have seven ziploc bags in my food ba- my food box back here that uh-huh. i keep all my backpacking food in that are monday through saturday they but, they have those names on them like i pulled out i, the, I used the one this weekend i said wednesday on it even though i stayed on a friday but it's like i just keep all the bags because I, they're multi-use. I don't have to, I don't have to throw them away. Well, so I, here's the question. Am I bad because of that? Or am I more of a conservationist than you are? Well, you're definitely more of a conservationist. I will 100% <laughs> admit that because my, my poop kit, I keep it in a quart size Ziploc bag and yeah. shout out to chicken tramper. I'm, I'm waiting on them to make some more poop kits. It's been like a year. I still haven't bought one because I don't know if they have, um, I don't know if I just haven't been watching or what and ordered one whenever they're in stock, but I need to get one of those cause it's reusable, but I use the quart size Ziploc and mine gets holes in it, dude. Like mine gets these little holes. And so I'm afraid if it rains, I like to keep mine in my mesh on the outside of my backpack, like the lacquer part of my Mariposa. Yeah. I do the same thing. Because I want quick access, you know, if it's a restroom emergency. And if it gets a hole in it and it rains, then my toilet paper can get wet. And I get really paranoid about that, even though I had the bidet, so I would be okay. But yeah, um, I don't know. But as for the food bags and stuff, I do the same thing as you. But I write like Friday on one, Saturday, Sunday, etc. on the gallon Ziploc bags. And I keep my food in it. But I throw those away. Every trip, I never have reused one except for maybe like whenever I was on the long trail. Right. I'm looking for the poop kits right now, man. Well, you're not going to find them because they're not in No, they have. Oh, they're sold out. Yep. Yeah, I had to see them, send them a DM. See when they're going to uh, restock those. But yeah, dude, I, I'll tell you that nobody is going to be a net positive on the environment. No. By living. No one. Now, it doesn't mean it's it's here's the thing. I'm fine. This is this is my whole thing with it. Now I feel this way about politics and everything, right? Mm-hmm. It's great that you have a passion for something. Okay. If you're passionate about Ziploc bags being satanic and they're gonna kill the world, that's great. <laughs> don't bother me with it. You know, like I, I hate to say it, I hate to be that way, but it's like you don't have to like rip into people that don't do things the way you do them, you know. Because for everything that you think everybody else is doing wrong, there's probably five people that can point something out that you're doing wrong. And it's just not worth it. It's just a game you don't want to play. You know what I mean? 
like we don't need people. I hate social media warriors, man. <laughs> Can we just shoot straight? I'm gonna say it because I self righteousness. Who I hate it, man. Gosh, I hate it. Do you have a? Does your city have like a Facebook page, like a Facebook group thing? Yeah, it's so stupid. But do you ever read it just for entertainment's sake? Dude, I'll tell you what I do read. There is a Facebook page for oh, like. Wait, wait, wait. But you, you got to hear what I'm going to say about because it's specific about the city ones. Okay. Now, my city ones. I, I read the school's Facebook page. Oh, it's probably it's pretty got, close. Oh, it's got to be. The, the city one here in Nicholasville is the uh, funniest thing in the world because you'll get, you'll get comments like, um, and, and it'll be like the same person. And they'll be like, there's all these potholes in the road. Why don't they get this stuff fixed? And then the next week they're working on the potholes and they're like, why are the roads so backed up? Why are they doing all this construction? And it'll be the same person or, or it'll be, it'll be something like, uh, uh, gosh, to the person that stole my, whatever, I hope you really enjoyed that. I spent my good hard money on that. And I'm thinking to myself, the person who stole that from you is probably not on this group. No. You know what I mean? Like, and not only that, it's just, or they'll, they'll complain about getting bad service at a restaurant or it's just like, man, you people are just drama Queens. And I hate to say this. And if, and if I'm offending anybody, I'm okay with it. Um, but <laughs> Ron is so negative today. I'm not negative. This is fun for me. Um, right, but, uh, I like it. but I think it's entertaining. Yeah. But, but like, if you're somebody who has to get on somebody else's page and point out everything they're doing wrong, there's a couple things we need to say here. First off, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that your life is so difficult that the only way you feel good about yourself is to point out the problems in other people. So stop it. The second thing, and this isn't everybody who does that, but for all the 30-year-old guys who are living in their basements playing video games in mom's house all day long, quit getting on Facebook and YouTube and Instagram and, and telling people what they're doing wrong. That is such a stereotype. Get, get a job and stop it. That's all I'm saying. Am I allowed to say that? Am I allowed to say that? And I'm really going to get in trouble with this, aren't I? Like, there's going to be people mad at me. Um, I don't know. I guess we'll see. Somebody's going to be mad at me. It's going to be my. F- I, I apologize to people for being me. So that's just. That's okay. It is what it is. So I have uh, more gear hacks. Dude, let's get back on topic. How's that sound? Yeah. Let's get back on topic. You know, Hilltop Packs has some uh, bags that you can get for poop kits, too. Oh, let me check those out. So those are pretty nice, too. I don't know. I don't know. They do some good stuff. So tell me a hack, man. Give me another hack. Okay. Another hack. Some some people don't know this. Some do. Um, If you are somebody, let's talk about fuel canisters for a few minutes, if you're okay. Please do. Talk about fuel canisters for me. I have multiple nuggets of knowledge when it comes to fuel canisters. So I want to talk about a couple of things. One, how to check how much fuel is in there. There's different ways. And then two, what to do with your partially empty fuel canisters. And then three, how to dispose of them. That's good. This is good knowledge, man. Is it okay if we talk about all three? I'm, I'm, I'm sitting at the foot of you right now learning. (laughs) Teach, teach me master. Okay. This may be all things that you already know. So we'll see. So as for the how to check your fuel level. Now, if you're like me, you go out and uh, you come back, you haven't used all your fuel. And then you're almost afraid to take that canister back out because you don't know how much fuel is in there. And you're like, oh, I'm paranoid. I'm going to run out. So then you buy a new fuel canister and take it on your next trip. And you use that for three days. Or, then- or you take two canisters with you. Yes. Yeah, so one option is you can take a new one with you every time. So that if you run out, you'll never run out fully unless you do. But there's a low probability. (laughs) (laughs) That is knowledge that the whole world needs. You will never run out until you do. So you, (laughs) there's a low probability that you will um, be left high and dry without fuel. Right with a like a fuel canister stove if you have a new one with you and you take a partially empty on each trip now most people don't want to carry the extra i don't know how many ounces it is it's probably like five or six ounces for a a new canister maybe eight i think there's like 210 grams so that's less than an ounce 
Uh, yeah, that's definitely less than an ounce. So, um, my math could be off, but the point is, if you want to check how much fuel is in there, the easiest way that I've seen is you can just float the canister. So you fill it up a full shows of water. That. And it actually shows that on the side of a lot of canisters. Yeah, so you understand. For sure, um, I think MSR has it. They even have like a little little markings on the side of their canisters yep. that tell you. But um, you can float it, and then wherever, like it's buoyant, so it's going to float. Yep. And if it's uh, if it, part of it is above the water line, like that's where your fuel comes to. So if you can imagine like the can, half of it's in water and half of it's submerged, or half of it's above water, half is submerged, that means you have about half a canister left. The right. fuel is going to settle at the same height as the top of the water. So you can float it. Or uh, I know jet boil in particular makes this little, um, I don't know, you like screw it onto the top of your canister and then you hold it up. It's kind of like a fish scale, but it mm -hmm. tells you how much fuel is left inside of your canister. Now, I don't know if that works with other canisters besides jet boil, but I would assume as long as it has the same size threads as your standard a uh, little fuel can, not the big camp stove, but the little fuel canister stoves. Yeah. I think that you could check it that way. Do you know other ways to check it? I've always done the float method. I've not really worried about other ways. I yeah, use the float method. That's just kind free. of the way I've done it. It's free. You don't have to buy another piece of gear. As with the jet boil, I think that piece of gear maybe 10, 15, maybe even 20 bucks. I don't know. But that's still another thing that you have to buy. So if you can do it for free, kind of i mean you still have to pay for the water to float yeah in. well one of the things too um amy darling used to be amy route um uh -huh. she did a video a year and a half two years ago i think it was her and she did the float thing then what she would do is after she floated it she would put a, a like a sharpie mark where the fuel was up to and put a date on it oh that is so smart yeah that way you know like when you go to use it the next time okay so the last time i used it was on this date and this is how much was in it and and I thought that was brilliant, and so I've done that with some of my with my canisters, um, which makes it a lot easier to know where you're at with your gas as well. Yeah, that that creates uh, information. You know, it's kind of mm -hmm. like recording your weight every morning. Like first thing you do is step on the scale, and if you do that, the more the more the more consistently you do that, the more data you're going to have. So then you can make better decisions. So you could even do that on trail if you took a little marker with you. Mm -hmm. And then you could see kind of each day how much fuel you're using. That is so smart, dude. Why didn't I not think of that? Amy, you're so smart. Amy Darling. She got married this year. You knew that, right? Yeah, congrats to her and her husband. They're they're just they just seem like some of the nicest people. And Amy is really nice. She's really Carson? cool. But I thought that was a great hack on her part. Is it Carson? Is that her husband's name? I think so. I think so. I, it, we haven't had Amy on. They're one of those disgustingly good-looking couples. I know, and they're, they're out in the West, and they get to climb and do all that stuff. They like when you buy when you buy picture frames from Walmart, they're the people on the pictures, <laughs> hanging off the side of a rock with one. Yeah, yeah that's just wow. it's just like you have these overly attractive people that are in these these picture frames when you buy them, and you're like nobody looks like that. And then you see Amy and her husband, and you're like, oh, they're on those pictures. So is the name of her YouTube channel still Amy Route? I don't know. She hasn't put out a video in quite a while. Let me, uh, I will check. Okay, yeah, I'm sure life is busy, man. She, but yeah, she also, um, not to go off on a tangent here because I want to finish the fuel thing, but while you're looking that up, she also houses dogs. She's so, Amy Darling. Her her channel's name is now Amy Darling. Oh, so. well, good. She got an awesome YouTube channel, and she's got an awesome last name. Darling, yeah, Darling. That's a great last name. Yeah, Route was a good appropriate name for her uh, backpacking channel too. Yeah. I'm surprised she didn't use that more. Amy route on route on route with Amy route. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, the fuel canister. So um, we're taking care of measuring how much fuel is left. Now, the next question is, what do you do with all of the partially empty fuel canisters? That's a great question. What do you do with them? Well, I let me preface this with telling you, this is dangerous. What <laughs> <laughs> extremely dangerous. Disclaimer, we claim no responsibility if you if you blow your house up. Yes. So be careful. You have to know what you're doing. And I'm going to tell you what to do, but heed my advice 
uh, and and listen to the technique here. You do not want to overfill. First thing, you do not want to overfill no. in the canister. So no. you may be wondering, like, uh, well, how do you get fuel from one canister to another? So I learned this from Senior Hiker 77, also has a YouTube channel. Um, this guy's been around. I watched one of his videos, and he's like, they have this little piece of gear. I always get it on Amazon, or I got mine on Amazon. I think it was like 10 or 15 bucks, and it you can just Google like G2 Works fuel adapter or something like that and um, make sure the thread size is the right thread size. But basically, it's just a valve that opens between two canisters. And you, you stick a canister. Here's the steps. Stick a canister that you want to add fuel to in your freezer for like 10 or 15 minutes. Leave your other canister that you want to remove fuel from out at room temperature. Now, after 10 or 15 minutes, take it out of the freezer and screw on this little fuel adapter thing. Screw it on to your can um, that you want to add fuel to, and then flip a can over and screw it on top on the other side. So you got one can above the other. Okay. And the one at room temperature should be on top because the, the molecules in it are going to be moving faster because the temperature is higher. And it is going to push fuel through the adapter into the partially empty canister that is down, uh, it's facing upright. And I put this in a video and a bunch of people are like, no, well, now you've just equalized the pressure between two canisters and you have the same amount of fuel in each. False. That is not. <laughs> like, I can I just say, if you're listening to this online, I wish you could have seen Jeremiah's face as he said false. <laughs> well, these it, was, it was with such disdain. Like that was the first time I've ever seen Jeremiah with a look of, you're wrong. Well, they're wrong because they don't understand how physics work. Right, right. So gravity is going to pull, pull that fuel down anyway. So even if you were to not put one in the freezer, which putting it in the freezer cools the temperature, which means the molecules aren't moving as fast, and that frees up some space in there, you, you know? Mm -hmm. So you're basically opening up the valve and letting fuel into your canister that you wanted to add fuel to. I don't know if I've done a good job explaining, but the main point is, is you need to know how much it, a full canister is supposed to weigh before you start eating this process because you need to know how much to not overfill. Because if you overfill it, and I have overfilled it, I just turned it on and let it go. And um, tell me it explodes. It doesn't explode, but whenever you uh, put a stove on it, like yeah. the stove does crazy things. Because it's too much pressure going into the stove, I would assume. Like the ratio's off. Yeah. And but like, here's a, here's a question though. If say you do overfill it, can you put that valve on the bottle and just release the valve and allow it to release some of that gas, so you, that it uh, so that you don't have to worry about that? You absolutely can. Okay. Now, that, that gas is going to go straight to the atmosphere. So I don't. I think it's supposed to burn off. Maybe it's less fuel emissions, but it it would dissipate. It, that kind of stuff would dissipate. It's going to be negligible either yeah. way. But point being, um, you can take all those partially empties and put them into one canister. But if you overfill it, and you can, when, whenever you light up the stove, it'll like the flame, you can't adjust it to the right amount. Until that, until that pressure comes down a little bit. Yes, and it'll like spurt and like kind of pop and crack and explode a little bit out of the stove. You know, it'll be like, wow. It is... I, I just love the fact that you made very effective sound effects just now. <laughs> like those sound effects, that was actually the sound I was hearing in my mind when you when you started those. So well, congratulations on, on really good sound effects. Well, thank you, John. So, yeah, you can get rid of all those partially empties. Now, I, if you know how, I'll let you tell how to dispose of the empty canisters. No, I'm I'm actually enjoying this conversation. I'm enjoying like sitting at the feet of of the master of backpacking. So you just continue to teach us. Well, I think you should retract that statement. I don't know about all that. <laughs> I'm here for commentary, man. I'm not here to teach. You're the teacher. I'm the commentary guy. Uh, everything I've told you about, I've learned from others. So I'm just basically a thief. But that's okay. <laughs> I'm a that's thief fine. passing on. So the empty canisters, um, I would make sure they're empty. 
so as empty as possible before you right. puncture the can and you can just screw a stove on or the adapter and open it up and let out the rest of the fuel and it's supposed to be depressurized you're not supposed to just throw them in your trash because i assume whenever a garbage truck picks it up you know they have that giant weight in the back that compresses garbage right and cause the canister to explode so if that's the way you're going to dispose of it is like standard trash pickup i'm just imagining watching a trash truck drive off from my house and just seeing the back of it explode <laughs> probably not the whole <laughs> truck Oh my gas canister. I would just hope that the shrapnel didn't, you know, hit whoever's picking up the trash out there. That'd be really bad. But yeah, those, 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 the beds and those things are pretty thick. Yeah. I think that they'd be, I think it'd be safe. I think it'd be safe. um, If you don't want to buy another piece of gear, you can literally just take like a screwdriver and a hammer and just stick the screwdriver on there and peck it a couple of times to puncture it. I've done that. Or, um, jet boil i know i feel like i'm talking about them a lot but they make like stoves and canisters and they make this little puncture key ring type deal and basically it's two parts one part screws onto the canister and it has like a hinge you just push it down and it punctures the can so it has like a fulcrum you know so that you can uh puncture that can more easily with the little sharp pointy end and it's probably wise to do this outdoors. Don't do this like in a room because if you were wrong about the amount of gas that's in it, you want to have a well ventilated area. So, uh, yeah, make sure you're wise about that. Definitely uh, try to let all the fuel out that you can before you puncture the can, though, because it is pressurized. It's even pressurized with no fuel in there or like yeah. very, very little fuel. So you will hear it whenever you puncture it. It'll be like, you know, yeah, all the pressure will release. But that was my second hack. Do you got one? Well, we're almost out of time, so I, I don't know if, if we need another hack at this point, but I will say um, I, I've started using a new backpack, and I actually did a hack on the backpack. Oh, what? which backpack are you using, and what's the hack? Well, I'm putting out a video this week, this Friday, so two days after this 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 releases, I'm putting a video out. I, I got my hands on the Z. I talked to you about this a little bit, the Z-Packs Arc Hall Ultra 60 liter. Oh, nice. And uh, it the thing is a 60 liter backpack. It weighs 20 ounces and it's supposed to be able to hold up to 40 pounds comfortably. Well, I just I so, can't believe it. 40 yeah. pounds. I haven't I haven't got I haven't put that much weight in it yet. I've had I think I had like 23 or 24 pounds in it this weekend. Oh, it's probably really comfortable at under 25 pounds. Super comfortable, super comfortable. But um, so here's the deal. Here, here's what I did. Um, you know how a lot of your roll your uh, roll top packs have like a single strap that come over the top and it clicks into place. Uh-huh. I noticed that on this pack, there were two extra, like, um, I don't know what you call them, like, but like the loops where you can run the the, um, the cords through it for your strap, right? So you can run the straps through these little areas, little buckles. I don't, so, I, can you paint a better picture for me? I'm not Okay, really so you've got your clips and you got your buckles, right? Clips and buckles. So the clips both, you basically, you've got the clips that you clip together on that strap that comes over top of your roll top. And then okay. the buckle is where you cinch it up tight, right? Okay. Yeah. So it's I, got two extra buckles on either side. Oh, it's like a three-piece. <laughs> but, but there was nothing in those. So I took the strap out of the one buckle and made it a V-strap by running it through both of the other buckles. Oh, you got your little hack. So now I've got, instead of having the single strap coming over the top, now I have a V-strap, which holds that Because I carried a... I didn't do it until I got home. It took about 10 minutes to get it done, uh-huh. which was pretty easy. But um, when I took it out this weekend, I took a full tripod with me, like a full-size tripod. And um, that I, it kept running into things. It would knock it loose, and it almost fell out a couple times because it's just being held by one strap. Uh-huh. Well, now I've got that V-strap, and I put it in after I did the V-strap, and it holds it so much more secure. So like if you've got a bear bo- a bear bag or not a bear bag, but like a like a bear container or something like that that you're gonna put on top, or you're gonna put a chair up there or a sleeping pad or something, maybe even a tent, it'll hold it a lot more securely because you've got that V instead of that single line. I like that. That is a, a great idea. But I will say I think it was a shadow light backpack that I was using, and it kind of has a built-in, or maybe it's my chicken tramper. I can't remember. One of those backpacks is a roll top and it has the V strap built in. Yeah. And I didn't like it, but I didn't really. 
Yeah, I just felt like it was, uh, I don't know, it felt like it was getting in the way for me, but I didn't even think about a ton of people, especially if your backpack doesn't have like a little spot, like my Osprey has um, at the bottom, some cinches. Right. Right below the mesh part. So if you want to put a chair or a tent down there, you can. But if you have a backpack that you're needing to throw something on top, a bunch of people put their chairs at the very top, like on basically on top of your backpack after you rolled it down. Yeah. The V strap would be a lot better because like you're saying, it's a lot more secure. Mm-hmm. And and let's be honest, like there's some places you hike where the tree cover is really bad or you're having to do a lot of like, there's a lot, a lot of blowdowns and you've got to climb under trees and over trees and you're always catching stuff like stuff that's on your backpacks always getting caught as you're, as you're hiking around and under that stuff. It is nice knowing it's going to be held in a little bit tighter. Yeah. Gives you a little bit more peace of mind. It does. It does. And uh, it was kind of fun to actually get just, I didn't even realize those two straps were there or those two buckles, I mean, that were even there. And uh, once I figured that out, man, that was nice. That made it so easy to uh, just switch out the the strap. Z-Packs, they make really good stuff, man. I've been using, well, I thought that Bridget and I were going to have to squeeze into the Z-Packs Duplex L on our Smokies trip. Yeah. And thank God I talked to Miyagi in time to order this i repaired um i repaired a bunch of gear did i already tell you about this no huh tell me about it um so my uh, my little chair broke my helinox chair zero and my helinox sunset chair and i didn't realize basically the engineering for these chairs was it's just shock cord and yeah of elbows it's very very simple design mm-hmm. and i repaired both chairs before the trip wow that's and, awesome yeah helinox they sent me the the shock cord to repair both of them just totally free and um I'm, we might talk more about this later uh, on a different episode but they sent they're sending uh a repair for crow as the crow flies hiking, Brad. Yeah, he sat in his Helinox whenever we were out on trail in the Smokies. He's on this trip, and one of the legs totally just snapped in two. Yeah, that happened to me once. Yeah, they sent they're sending him a new leg for free. Like they'll warranty out their products. I didn't realize, but that's three in the past like couple of months. And he's I had my chairs for over a year, and they there's no questions asked. You just go to the bottom of their page and click on warranty, and there's like three questions and some images you upload. That's pretty cool. You know, it's funny because I, I did that to my chair zero and I ended up getting a chair one and replacing the frame of the chair zero with the frame from the chair one. <laughs> I made the hybrid. I don't want to go back because we've talked about this before. The That was my hack with it. I called it the chair point five, right? Um, uh-huh. Yeah, like it's it's a pound and a half. It's not a two pound chair, but it's not a one pound chair. It's literally a pound and a half. It's like one pound, 7.8 ounces or something like that. Um, but uh, the legs from the chair one sit higher than the chair zero. Oh, you and get several so, inches of sitting off the ground. Yeah, man. There's just something about sitting higher. That's more, we've talked about this, especially when you're six foot three, you yeah. know, there's something about being able to sit a little higher. That's just, there's, there are there. I mean, there's a certain amount of weight that is too much to do that, but I'm willing to carry a little extra weight if it means I'm going to be off the ground more. Yeah, I've, I have uh, this company, Ediology, Eduology. I don't know. It's it's a weird name, but a number of the people that I was on the Smoky Strip with uh, knew about the company because Bridget carried the chair, and it's like a two pound chair, but it is basically the size of you're you're talking about the Helinox chair one or whatever. Right. It sits up higher and it's I don't know. It feels like it the how tight the material is is tighter. It's not as saggy and it, it gives you a more comfortable sit than sitting so close. That Helinox chair zero gets you off the ground barely. And I still take right. it, still use it, and I like it a lot better than just sitting on a pad. Right. But that chair, like when Bridget walked away. 
I like sat in her chair instead. There's just, I mean, it's nice to get off the ground. It really is like, and, and as you get older, you like it more. Oh, definitely. But I'll just leave it that way. As you get older, you like it more. Let me tell you about my tent. So the North face triarch three for some time, the, the shock cord has been in shambles and on you talking about the palace, the palace. Yes. Okay. And honestly, the first time that it really started going downhill was I took it a few years ago during this polar vortex. And then I had like, it was 40 degrees and raining the whole day before. And then the next morning we woke up and there's like several inches of snow and there's like a layer of ice on everything. And my poles were frozen together. And so, uh, Brandon, who was the guy who was with me, he started a fire that morning and i had to melt the poles apart but <laughs> <laughs> i couldn't get them apart and you know that dude that palace it has a lot of poles remember you try to put it together on that trip you almost like, have to have a degree like to be able to put that thing together dude it's got a number of poles and there's like swivel points on different poles and they snap together in different spots I remember yeah. somebody making fun of me as I tried to figure out how to put that tent together. Who well, did that? Who did that? I can't remember who did that. <laughs> that was me. <laughs> <laughs> so on that trip, melting the poles apart, I didn't realize just how hot that I was getting them. And you melted the shot cord? Melted the shot cord. Oh. Yeah, I was duct taping like the melted parts to, just to give it a little reinforcement. And I used it that way for a couple of years probably. And uh, just didn't think a whole lot about it. And then finally, after using it and using it, or maybe not using it often enough, the shock cord completely lost all stretch. It was basically like just just cordage. Just hanging know? there. Just hanging there. Yeah. You, If you try to put it together, there was no stretch to it. It didn't snap back together. You were kind of just sticking the poles. And I kept having to shorten the amount of shock cord. So you got to like pull out one of the pegs that goes in the grommet. And then re- cut it off, retied. It was just a pain. And so I was like, I have to replace this shock cord. Yeah. But the Smokey's trip was coming up. And I texted Miyagi and asked if uh, he had any ideas on a repair kit or if I could, you know, call him and ask how to do it. And he sent me this one on Amazon. And then uh, I bought it and replaced the cordage. And Bridget and I had the backup plan is we were going to both try to squeeze into the duplex L for this trip. And I was like, the positive. What's that? The duplex L is pretty big, though. I mean, that's not a horrible tank. You got two vestibules, too. So, yeah, that's but not too bad. But it's not wide enough for it, depends on how deep you pitch the bathtub floor. Right. If you pitch it really deep, there's no way you can fit two pads in there. If you pitch it pretty shallow, maybe like two or three inches deep, you can right. fit two pads. But then if it rains, you might get some rain in there. But we we put it up, we staked it out, set it up, and put my Nemo tensor in there and her uh, Neo Air X-Lite in there. And, like, they barely fit. And I was like, I'm going to have to take two X-Lites and put, like, head to foot, foot to head, and, like, lay opposite of each other for us. And you have to smell each other's feet all night. Yes. Mm, That would be pleasant. So, anyway, thankfully... Amazon came through and delivered that in time because I'm so irresponsible. I should have ordered it what like two years ago, three years ago, but they came through and it wasn't too big of a job to replace the shock cord. I got it done, but it's a lot easier in the chairs. Long story short, it would have saved us. Like, I mean that that big tent is heavy. You know, it's like yeah, it is. I I carried that in another tent at the same time once. <laughs> <laughs> yes you did that's that, probably a 40 pound pack gosh that was ridiculous yeah so so the, the palace ended up working out for you yeah the duplex l if we had to take it in it only weighs like 20 ounces or so so that would have saved us several pounds i was like bridget i know it wouldn't be as comfortable but we could take the duplex l and i'll just carry it and you don't have to carry any tent because you kind of split the weight on the palace right, right. but it was we were down there for like four days. So I was like, we need to take a bigger tent because imagine yeah. if it rains 
and you're on trail for four days and two people had to squeeze into the dude. Imagine being in there for like four hours trying to sit out rain. I was like, I'm going to have to take a tarp just in case it rains because I don't want to sit in there for hours. And it's one wall. So, you know, you're just going to get condensation in there. Yep. Tons of it. Tons of it. But I've talked enough, man. This has been really fun. <laughs> no, really- man, this has been great. This has been great. It's it's uh it's always fun to talk about hacks and and ways to fix things and uh because to be truthful, we could talk about gear all day, but sometimes you want to talk about something else. So it's always nice to talk about being able to uh, do some things to manipulate the the gear you have or ways to make what you do a little bit easier, even if environmentalists think we're crazy. Um, <laughs> But but we can we can do that. So uh, for myself and Jeremiah, uh, it's been awesome, man. We'll catch I you had, guys on the next one. I had fun. <laughs> <laughs>